save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side as we preview the Miami Dolphins New England Patriots matchup for this weekend. Follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes as well as YouTube, and you can send your questions to us with the hashtag FinsideQ. That's F-I-N-S-I-D-E-Q. Paul, a little bit of news before we jump into the Patriots-Dolphins matchups. Here we had some roster moves. Brandon Dowdy, the Dolphins' seventh-round pick out of Western Kentucky, has been cut. They've brought back Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, to replace Earl Mitchell, who's going to go on IR, may return a little bit later in the year. So Dowdy cut, Chris Jones back in the fold. What do you make of this? I'm a little bummed on both fronts. I, I wasn't really impressed with Chris Jones in the preseason. I was impressed with Brandon Dowdy as the potential long-term backup behind Tannehill. Thought he was a guy that was going to end up unseating Matt Moore. I'm hopeful that Dowdy ends up back on the practice squad. He beat out Zach Dicer, and Dicer's sitting on the practice squad. I think there's a natural progression here so long as he isn't picked up by anybody else. So I hope we see Dowdy come back on that practice squad and eventually be back on this roster. I'm not disappointed by this. I was never a fan of Brandon Dowdy. I, I didn't I was impressed by what he did at Western Kentucky and, and the numbers he puts up. But to me, quarterback is an arm talent game. And I did not see that out of him. And I didn't see a lot of room for an improvement. If we're going to keep somebody as a third quarterback and or on the practice squad, I want it to be a big arm that if something clicks for him, he can really play in the league for a long time. I'm not disappointed in that. And Chris Jones, I, I like having him back in the fold. I think he fits in well as a fourth defensive tackle. When you look at the roster cutdowns, he was one of the last people to get cut. I thought he was hot and cold during preseason. He was either really good or really bad. He has some veteran experience. And looking at that, too, I hate to say it, but I'm actually a little excited to see Jordan Phillips and, and Wormsley get a little bit more snaps as our second and third defensive tackles. We'll see how that entire situation unfolds. Another interesting signing, Paul, Donald Butler, the former linebacker for the San Diego Chargers, signed with the Arizona Cardinals this offseason, did not make the final roster, potentially filling in for the Dolphins as that plugging middle linebacker maybe on first and second down. What do you make of this, and, and where do you see his role being? Well, one of the things that they that actually came out of uh, Dolphins camp was that they actually saw him potentially being over in that weak side linebacker role, potentially and eventually unseating Jelani Jenkins, or at least giving him a run for his money. I know Jenkins is a couple weeks off knee surgery. He did play in the Seahawks game, but this could be a very interesting matchup because if Butler can regain the form that he had before, he was a team captain out in San Diego. He was a thumper, but one that could play in pass coverage as well. So Jelani Jenkins might want to step up his game a little bit in the coming weeks because he's got somebody breathing down his neck at this point. He sure does, and maybe he should get off his knee when they're saying the pledge of, or 
when they're saluting the American flag. But that's a whole different issue. I don't want to want to go into that. It is interesting that there's there's been this emphasis with the Dolphins' defense on getting bigger, and you know, based on what we saw in the first week, it looks to be paying off. I think you're right, Paul, that Butler on first down could be that outside linebacker. I'll tell you, if you look on Twitter. Chargers fans absolutely destroy this guy. He was signed to a seven-year, $51 million contract not too long ago, and according to them, really loafed. So we'll we'll see if he's run out of money and is, is now remotivated. But I, I like this signing more than I would have liked A.J. Hawk, who the Dolphins also took a look at. I, I think Butler, if he's motivated, he's 27 years old. Obviously, to get a $51 million contract, he had to be good at some point. Hopefully, the Dolphins get a little bit lucky. Paul, the New England Patriots... Miami Dolphins matchup. You know, uh, we really looked at these first two games and thought that the Dolphins would probably come away with losses in this one. At least I thought that way. Um, what are your initial thoughts just heading into this? I think it's interesting looking back at last week because the Dolphins really lost a game that either one of them missed field goal, not even counting the Kenny Stills uh, drop there. Either one of the missed field goals would have made the difference in this game. They lost by two points. The Pats played a good game out in Arizona, a little better than anybody expected, given all their injuries and what have been, suspensions and you name it. They lost the game, or they won the game, based upon a missed field goal at the end of the game. So both coming from opposite ends of the spectrum in week one, I think this is actually a game that's very winnable. I know we talked with Derek Havens, and we talked a little bit. He acknowledged that the Pats offensive line is actually in worse shape than the Seahawks offensive line, which while I did know that they were a little banged up, that came as a little bit of a surprise to me even to hear somebody that covers the Pats discuss that. But also we had, we had a talk offline and we acknowledge that the Seahawks defense is a little bit better than, than the, the Patriots defense, even though they looked good last week. So you look at those two factors, the Dolphins could have put up 26 or 23 or depending on how you look at it, against the Seahawks, even though they dropped and fumbled and miskicked a few opportunities there, which I don't see happening this week. And they tore apart that offensive line on a lot of plays. The defensive line looked phenomenal. So you look at those two matchups, and those are big keys for this game. I think the Dolphins could surprise a few Pats fans this weekend and, and actually take one up in New England for once, which would be nice to see. What I do like, Paul, is that on both sides of the ball now, defensive line and offensive line, I I feel that they can dominate on the defensive line. And then on the offensive line, for the first time, I I don't see a glaring leak. I I, I don't see a Dallas Thomas or Jonathan Martin or a Tyson Claybo out there that's – to be quite honest, ruining drives. I don't see that now. Now, Dolphins did give up five sacks last week, but I would argue very strongly that those were very isolated. Two of them, you know, shouldn't even have counted as sacks. So I, I do like the pass protection for the most part from last week. Let's look at the injury report, Paul. For the New England Patriots, two glaring ones that stick out right now at this time. Dante Hightower, the linebacker, Pro Bowl linebacker, very, very good football player. Uh, did not participate. He has a knee injury, is expected not to play in this contest. Uh, he could be replaced by f- former Miami Dolphin Jonathan Freeney there as the middle linebacker. Also, too, Rob Gronkowski, like Derek Havens had, had said, he doesn't anticipate Gronkowski playing. He was very, very limited in practice. Uh, I would assume that Rob Gronkowski either isn't going to play or is going to be a decoy. Either way, good news for the Dolphins. Looking at the rest, 
of the Patriots injuries. Nate Solder did not play last week uh, with a hamstring issue. If I were a betting man, I'd say he doesn't play. And Cameron Fleming at the left tackle spot, who did a really good job on on Chandler Jones last week in the matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. Solder probably is not going to play in this game. You've got some other players who are limited. Malcolm Butler, the cornerback. Marcus Cannon, Jonathan Cooper, Trey Flowers, Shaq Mason, Shea McClellan, and newcomer Eric Rowe. So looking at the the Dolphins injury report, Paul, Mike Pouncey is expected to miss not only this upcoming game, but according to the Sun Sentinel, the next couple of days. And i got to be honest with you, if Anthony Steen keeps playing this way, I don't think I really care. I'm completely with you there. On top of that, I've, I've had something kicking around in the back of my mind, and I know this is our Patriots preview, but this is something that's if Steen continues to play at the level he is. I had a thought here. And I don't have a specific partner in mind here, but Mike Pouncey may become kind of expendable, which is amazing to say about a Pro Bowl center. And I know it's early to say that. Steve's got one NFL start under his belt. Not ready to call it that quite yet. But the situation may arise where Miami is able to look at potential trade partners and potentially if they want to help the team this year make a move with Pouncey to try to acquire a way better caliber tight end and really help that offense out a lot. Cause let's face it, we essentially might as well put Craig Urbic in a tight end and send him out in pass patterns at this point. He's going to do just as well and probably have better hands. Uh, yeah, probably, so. probably. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, Paul. Uh, expendable. I think it's a no brainer that he's expendable. If Anthony Steen keeps playing this way, and I think Steen will play at this level. He, I don't think this is a flu. He's big enough. He played at Alabama. So, you know, he's coached well, he's tough. You look at him, just looks like he belongs. Doesn't get shoved back very often. Another thing to consider too. And I, I don't know if the dolphins will actually consider this because I do, I do expect Pouncey to get a center job when he comes back, whether that's right or not. Mike Pouncey, may be able to play some right guard. And I know what a lot of Dolphins fans may be thinking that, well, we tried that a couple of years ago when he wasn't very good. I don't know if it was because he was playing right guard. He had the hip injury. I don't think he would have played very well at center either. Yeah, and factor in as well is when Steen came into camp this year, he hadn't played center. He wasn't a center. He was a guard coming right. out of college. So it very well may be a natural fit to potentially move him over to right guard. And, you know, have Bushrod be that swing player that can play both guard and both tackle spots. Yeah. Don't know. I mean, there's a lot to think about, and it's a good problem to have. Now we've got too many starting offensive linemen when the past four or five years we haven't had enough starting offensive linemen. So I'll take this problem any day of the week over the one we've, had, we've experienced in recent years. All right, and it's it's such a compliment to the offensive line, Paul, that Dallas Thomas and Billy Turner are on the bench, and they were they were starting last year for the Dolphins. I still think Turner has a has some upside, has another year left on his contract. Also, some of that guard tackle versatility. Dallas Thomas, you know, the biggest compliment I'll ever give him on the show is that he's an okay backup. Um, and that is the nicest thing I will ever say on the show about Dallas Thomas. Also, Paul, looking at the injury report, Mario Williams, had a concussion last week, did not participate in practice, looking less and less likely like he's going to play in this game. I hope he does. I hope he does. I wasn't sure about his pass rush ability anymore during the preseason. He quelled all doubts of that. 
if they were playing anybody but the Seahawks last week with, with Russell Wilson's mobility and escapability, I think you would have seen him have even more sacks in that game. He had a lot of plays where he went in and broke down to contain as opposed to just bum-rushing in to make the, the tackle and get the sack. So I'm really hopeful that he plays in this game. He'd be a huge factor, especially given the fact that both starting tackles are, are likely to be out for the Patriots. And watching him flip-flop sides of the field, especially when Cam Wake's on the sidelines, he was a monster in that game, and I think he could be even more of a monster this week if he gets to play. Yeah, moving along, Jelani Jenkins at the linebacker spot did not participate in practice. Probably has a lot to do with why the Dolphins signed Donald Butler at this time. Also, Jordan Phillips didn't practice with an ankle, but Jordan Phillips is expected to play in this game. Devontae Parker practiced on a limited basis this week with hamstring. Looks like uh, he was out there at least giving it a shot on his hamstring. Uh, I, I really hope he's ready for this game on Sunday, Sunday, if for no other reason than to create a size mismatch problem on the outside. Yeah, I mean, even if he's out there as a decoy on a handful of plays, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I'd love to see... Jakeem Grant get a few more offensive plays. He got in early in the preseason, was phenomenal, and then hasn't sniffed the offense since. And a lot of us thought, okay, Gase is kind of hiding what he wants to do with this kid. Well, he's still hiding it at this point. The kid's explosive. Yeah, he's got some drops issues at times. Not like we're not starting Jordan Cameron. He's got drops issues. So I hope they get him a little involved because he is an X factor when he gets out on that field. And unfortunately, Paul Jordan, or excuse me, Cameron Jordan did participate fully in practice. So it looks like he's going to be a go. Thank God we've got his two catches for six yards and two drops to look forward to. Uh, so moving on and looking at a few of these other matchups, Paul, the off, it really seems like on both sides of the ball, the, the Dolphins' defensive line against the Patriots' offensive line is the real polarizing matchup here. Uh, at the beginning of the of the season, they had Sebastian Ballmer and Nate Solder, one of the better tack, bookend offensive tackle combos in the league. Ballmer's on the PUP now at right tackle and at left tackle. Nate Solder is going to be out too. And uh, on the interior of the line, they had some mixed results. They're still coming together with that unit. Uh, guard, six-round pick, Ted Karras at right guard, center, Josh Andrews, and left guard, Joe Tooney. So is is this a matchup, Paul, that the Dolphins' defensive line can dominate? It really is, especially if they're able to utilize that defensive line rotation like they did against the Seahawks. It was amazing how many people they, they got into that rotation, how many different spots, and the way they were able to keep those Big, big bodies really fresh from the first snap to the last snap of the game. It, you get Jordan Phillips out there. You get Wormsley out there. Jason Jones, hopefully not Chris Jones as much. Andre Branch, Mario Williams, Dominican Sue, Cameron Wake, they all play in those three to four spots on any given down. And they're not sucking wind at the end of the game. You add to that fact that it's cooling off up here drastically at this point in the year. They're not going to be too hot and sweaty up in that stadium. And I'm excited for that matchup. I think Miami could win the battle in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Hey, looking at depth, I, I wish they did have Earl Mitchell and, and Mario Williams in this game. I'm not a big Earl Mitchell fan, but he at least is somebody who can be in a rotation there. Julius Wormsley and Andre Branch are going to be big factors in this game. 
uh, assuming Mario Williams doesn't play. I think Branch does have the physical upside to get around the corner, and it's his time to start showing something. You know, he's been in the league for a few years, hasn't lived up to that promise, but does look the part. We'll see what happens. What are a few other matchups, Paul, that stick out for you? Uh, I'm curious to see if Martellus Bennett is out in a lot of pass patterns, given the question marks around Rob Gronkowski and his health. I know they used Bennett a lot in the blocking scheme last week. They probably will again this week. But if he is out in those pass patterns, he's going to be covered by Kiko Alonso. Uh, he's going to be covered by Issa. He's going to be covered by Rashad Jones. So New England's a team that loves their tight ends. And those are three very good pass coverage uh, individuals on that defense. So that's going to be a huge matchup. If they can dominate that matchup, it's going to force Garoppolo to look more to the outside, to Chris Hogan and to uh, Julian Edelman. Those are the two biggest factors in this game, and I'd actually look at them and their matchup against Maxwell and against Xavier Howard. If the Dolphins can win those three matchups there, I think Miami can take this game pretty easily. Looking at Bennett from last week, three catches for 14 yards. The year before with the Bears, 53 catches for 439 yards. 2014 was his big year with 90 catches. I hope he does nothing. I think this guy is a jerk-off. He was in Chicago, and, and now New England, they get him. And I, I, I just don't think he's good as he as he thinks he is. He was making, what, 7 or $8 million a year? Caught 90 passes and then once a raise to 10 million. I, I thought that was nonsense. But you know, jerk offs do that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we dominate him and uh, we'll we'll see. But yeah, it's it's interesting, Paul, because I look back at the New England matchup last year when the Dolphins were slaughtered up in New England. To me, the biggest problem is you had Dion or Dion Lewis and Rob Gronkowski in the game, and only Jelani Jenkins as that coverage linebacker that could make an impact. And Jenkins kept having to choose one that he wanted to defend. Now the Dolphins have hopefully Jenkins available in this game, Kiko Alonso, two very good coverage linebackers, and there's not a lot for him to cover in the middle of the field. It's amazing what Miami can do in terms of speed. I think you hit the nail on the head when we look back at the Seahawks game. When you look at having Kiko and Issa out on that field and what that does in terms of coverage ability because of the speed factor between those two compared to Louis Delmas or Michael Thomas and Kelvin Shepard or Koamisi, the, the speed factor is so much greater and they're able to do so much more in coverage and, and really contain a lot of that quick passing game, which is beautiful considering the penetration that the front four can get. You bet Issa and, and Kiko Alonso greatly improved the defensive speed, especially in the back seven last week. Not as many windows to throw throw through and when you have those two guys out in the field as, as opposed to Michael Thomas and Calvin Shepard. You are listening to On the Fin Side. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to us on iTunes and YouTube. A few other matchups that stick out for me, Paul, uh, are the slots on both uh, on both sides of the ball. I, when the Patriots have the ball, Julian Edelman had 66 yards last week. 57 of those yards came in the slot. He's going to be going up against, you would think, Michael Thomas or Bobby McCain. That's really a matchup that does worry me in there. Um, hopefully they can keep everything in front, in front of them. But Bobby McCain's interesting. He did let up the game-winning touchdown last week, was a good throw, was a good catch just a step behind, but McCain also has the ability to, to jump some of those routes. I, I thought your Terrell Buckley comparison for, from a few weeks ago on Bobby McCain was pretty spot on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. If, if I'm Vince Joseph, what I would do here 
when they're in man-to-man coverage if they're out if the Dolphins are out in the nickel. If Edelman's in the slot off to one side and say Amendola's out wide or you name it, I might actually consider taking Byron Maxwell or taking Xavier Howard and putting them over the slot and kicking Bobby McCain to the outside. Keep keep with that strength against strength matchup. You don't want to give up that strength against I won't say weakness, but lesser matchup when you very easily can flip flop the two. Uh, so hopefully we see Vance Joseph play around with a number of things out there. Don't let them get comfortable. Don't let the Patriots dictate the matchups because let's face it, Bill Belichick is a guy that has done a lot. He make, he makes sure the players play to their strengths and, and mask their weaknesses and tries to dictate the matchups. If you turn around and dictate the matchups on him, then you got your little chess match going instead of Joe Philbin out there with his checker set, not even knowing how to play chess. Um, <laughs> checker it's, set, it's, fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's incomplete checker set, really, but it's the cleanest checker set you've <laughs> yeah. ever seen. <laughs> Gosh, yes. Just, uh, but yeah, somewhere it, there there is a there is a park that has no gum wrappers at all on the ground because Joe everybody's shoes are tied. Everybody's shoes are tied. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's shoes are tied as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I I kind of disagree with you on on moving Maxwell around. I I look at Amendola, I look at Edelman. And look at Chris Hogan. I, I really don't see a lot of difference with them in terms of their physical ability that would require moving a, a big cornerback like Maxwell or Howard into the slot. But uh, yeah, we the Dolphins do have to dictate some of these matchups, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So if Devontae Parker can play, and you've got Parker and Stills, who we hope hope has a bounce back this week after after the the train wreck that was last week. If you have Parker and Stills on the outside, Jarvis Landry operating on the slot are out of the slot. And now you may have a mismatch problem because their third cornerback, Eric Rowe might miss this game too, which would force them in a lot of situations with their fourth cornerback, Justin Coleman. Very interesting. And that's a matchup that we should, um, we should definitely take a look at, uh, but along the offensive line too, Paul, you know, you've got Juwan James and Brandon Albert going up against Jabal Sheard and Chris Long. Uh, the Dolphins' offensive line doesn't seem to be as outmatched as they were last year when playing the Patriots. No, it's and like we talked about before. You look at the Seahawks last week, Michael Bennett, uh, Cliff Avril, probably one of the best pass-rushing bookends in the NFL. And I didn't really have an issue with how they handled those two. So... You look at that, and then you look at Chris Long, who was deemed expendable by the hapless Rams, and you know the rest of the pass rushing force on the Patriots that's non-existent. Well, most of their pass rush ability is on suspension right now due to a PED violation. Way to go, Rob Nikovich. But if they can handle those two, they can handle anything that the Pats have on their defensive roster. I didn't see anybody that, that really terrifies me from a pass rush perspective. So Tannehill should have a lot of time in this game unless the Patriots are able to throw together some confusing blitz packages. That's for sure. And the, as we know, the more protected Ryan Tannehill is, the better. And I thought he was pretty well protected last week, even though they gave up five sacks. Again, I think three of them, yeah. And Tannehill held, held onto the ball a little too long in a few. And two other ones I don't think should have counted as sacks. Jakeem Grant also is somebody I think needs to be returning kicks full-time. I mean, if, you, if you're going to have him on the active 45-man roster, I don't see why you're having him with Jarvis Landry splitting time there, Paul. I'm, I'm really looking for Jakeem Grant to break one break one open here. 
one thing they pointed out in terms of that, that punt return coverage, and once they pointed out, I was like, oh, okay. It looks like they're easing Grant into the NFL level with that. Anything inside the 20, they had Landry handle it just because there's some extra judgment calls needed. And then anything that looked like it wasn't going to be inside the 20, they had Grant out on the field. So I think you're going to see in the next week or two Grant handling those. One thing I will say, one of the big mistakes I saw in the Seahawks game that, that limited the Dolphins a little bit was Jakeem Grant taking that kick in the end zone and running a good 10 seconds off the clock to get less yardage than he would have taking the ball at the 20 and taking a knee and giving a little more time to the offense to work with so there wouldn't have needed to be as much urgency. But that's a rookie mistake. I appreciate that he was trying to make something happen there and being aggressive. He just needs to learn when to take that knee and when not to. And I think once you see him start to blossom a little bit, I think you'll see him take more and more to take the turn duties onto his shoulders. Well said, Paul. So looking at this game, what is your prediction for the Dolphins versus Patriots this Sunday? I know a bunch of folks are going to think I'm crazy here, but I'm going to go out on a limb. The Dolphins left anywhere from 13 to 16 to 20 points on the field, depending on how you look at that fourth and one uh, attempt. And that's against a much better defense than the Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks were much better in the trenches, and Miami dominated those two matchups overall. And I think this could be a game that Miami's able to pull out here. And I think they throw up 27 points, hold the Patriots to 17, and, and pull away with a win. Another factor as well, just to add on to that real quick, the Seahawks' 12th man, they are in the game all game long, no matter what. I've been to Foxborough my entire life. It's right in my backyard somewhat. And uh, the fan base up there, when you come out and smack them in the mouth, and you can look at the game that the Dolphins played against them a few years ago up here when Brian McKinney's first game with the Dolphins, right before the whole Jonathan Martin saga. When Miami took a lead early on, it wasn't until the Pats got themselves and clawed back into it that the fans got back into it. Once the Dolphins took a lead, the fan base was quiet. You could hear a pin drop in that stadium. So if you can come out and smack the pass in the mouth early, you take their fans out of it as long as you hold the Patriots out of it from that point on. You've got to keep that momentum. And I think Miami can do that now. So what's your prediction? 27-17 Dolphins. I'm going to say 27-20 Patriots in this. I... I think Jimmy Garoppolo showed a lot of good things last week, and I expect a big output uh, from from the Patriots here in Week Two. They they just have a way of continuing to move things forward. I think the Dolphins' defense takes a step back this week, so twenty-seven twenty, Patriots. That's going to do it for our show. And you can follow us again on Facebook, on Twitter, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and to our iTunes channel as well. And as Brian Miller said, it's not, if it's not on the left side and it's not on the right side, it is on the thin side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in To see what Brian, Cat, and Paul about to do again We rep our team, you can't change, stop or ruin it All we need is to figure what to do to win Fans radio, live and direct Win or lose, we're showing up for every contest No puppet talk, it's all raw and unfiltered Voice of the fans when the season looks peculiar Rockin' Apple Orange over here, then you familiar Every week they coming through our 
to hear about our team and all the latest news Vets the rookies trying to make the team paying dues Current players and alumni interviews City to city, state to state, follow the moves Call the hotline, Dolphins talk, set to go Best sports team and show all across the globe Fin ain't the left side A 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.